Makers. A women's storytelling platform. History makers. If I don't finish this race, everybody's going to believe women can't do it. Change makers. Nobody listens to you when you go quietly into the Law night. Lawmakers. Women's rights are human rights once and for Troublemakers. <laughs> there is no woman in the country who we are not trying to reach. These are makers. This is makers. Las primeras. These are makers. This is the makers. This is the makers podcast. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda McCall, and today we're talking about women in space. For many Americans, the 1969 moon landing is one of the most significant moments in our history. It was one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But what about women? Until the other half of humankind was represented in space, that first step was only half taken. Since that day 48 years ago, women have made extraordinary progress in space exploration. But if I asked you to name an important figure in the history of the U.S. space program, and the only name you can think of is Buzz Aldrin, then you only know a fraction, or a milliparsec, as an astrophysicist might say, of the story of space exploration and the pioneering female scientists, engineers, mathematicians, and astronauts that played such a crucial role in our understanding of the universe. It was June 1983, and astronaut Sally Ride was about to become the first American woman to travel to outer space. NASA's space shuttle engineers, all of whom were male, may have been experts in space exploration, but they knew very little about female anatomy. Sally Ride's classmate and fellow astronaut Catherine Sullivan was with Ride as she prepared to take this monumental step for womankind. About a month before a flight, there's what's called a bench check. And you go over a long bench in the flight crew equipment hangar, and everything that's going to be stored for you on the flight is arranged in the locker drawer. And so you're familiarizing yourself with where everything will be so you can go to it quickly when you need it. And Sally was going over for a final bench check, and off I went with her. And we're going through, you know, drawer after drawer. The first one is toothbrush and everything else. And the second one was sort of the feminine hygiene kit. I remember Sally looks inside and leans back, looks over at me, and starts lifting up this string of plastic and sealed one by the each in this six-inch row of plastic is one tampon after another. And she just keeps pulling this out of the box, like a magician pulling 200 feet of crepe paper out of a hat, and just goes on and on and on. We're now looking at each other going, it's a seven-day flight. Catherine Sullivan, Sally Ride, and other pioneering female astronauts changed the history of space travel. But while they may have brought a lot of tampons into space, they did not bring much diversity. But that was about to change. Here's the story of Mae Jemison. Jemison was the youngest of three children. Her father, Charlie, was a roofer, and her mother, Dorothy, was an elementary school teacher. Growing up south side of Chicago, I was just like every other kid. I loved space, stars, and dinosaurs. My mother was very, very bright. She worked when I was a kid, and I thought that was really cool. My dad worked. He always had two jobs. I used to hang out with my father and his friends, and I learned how to count cards. I played cards with them when I was six, seven years old. And they thought it was really cool, my assertiveness and stuff. So never was I not allowed to be included 
in the conversation. Never was I put out of the political discussions, any of those kinds of things. It was always a part of what we do and what I did. There's an African proverb that says, no one shows a child the sky. I always knew I wanted to explore because it was so mysterious. Where did we come from? I think that's a big part of it. I always assumed I would go into space. It was during the Apollo era and everybody was thrilled about space. But I remember being really, really irritated that there were no women astronauts. And I remember people trying to explain to me why there weren't. I didn't buy it. There are a lot of people who felt left out. They didn't see themselves, and so they didn't see the connection back to them. I've loved science fiction because it allows you to look at people and societies from a different perspective. Star Trek was one of our most hopeful fantasies. It had people from all around the world on the bridge of the ship, and it even had an alien. And it had a woman of color in a technical role, Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura. It helped me to say, yes, this is something that's reasonable to think about. Jemison entered Stanford University when she was only 16 years old. She majored in chemical engineering and was often one of the only African-American students in her classes. After graduating in 1977, she attended Cornell Medical School and graduated as a doctor of medicine in 1981. She decided to spend the next few years as a Peace Corps medical officer in Sierra Leone and Liberia. I ended up being the area Peace Corps medical officer for Sierra Leone and Liberia. So I wasn't a volunteer, I was a staff member. And my responsibility was to keep the volunteers healthy and also to help run the medical programs. I was on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Whatever happened to come down the pike I was responsible for, whether it was schistosomiasis, whether it was people in car accidents, whether it was rape, whether it was mental breakdowns, that was my job. And I always had to be up and ready to do my job. I learned about myself there. Meanwhile, back in the U.S., Sally Ride became the first woman to go into space. In 1983, the space program was officially opening its doors to female astronauts, and Jemison wanted in. I wanted to be in an environment that pushed me very hard. I applied to the astronaut program just a little bit after I got back from Sierra Leone. Out of over 2,000 applicants, Jemison was one of 15 people selected to join the U.S. space program. I was a general practitioner in Los Angeles, and I actually got the call to come down and be an astronaut. NASA, they said, you can't tell anybody until tomorrow because we're having a press release at 12 noon tomorrow, and we don't want the story to break before then. I went into the office. I was seeing patients. It was still early morning, still probably about 9.30 or so. My nurse came in, and he said, um, Dr. J, you didn't tell us something, did you? I was like, what? He said, you're an astronaut. I said, how did you know? He said, because we keep getting all these calls from all these newspapers. And then I was like, oh my God, it's 12 o'clock was Eastern Standard Time. I was three hours behind. <laughs> After five years of training at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, Jemison was chosen as the science mission specialist on the Space Shuttle Endeavor mission. It was 1992, and Jemison was about to become the first African-American woman to travel to outer space. But she made sure that she didn't travel there alone. It was incumbent upon me, when I went up into space, to bring people with me who normally would not be included. And so I took up a Bundu statue, B-U-N-D-U statue, which is for women's society in West Africa, because I'd spent so much time in Africa. 
So often people didn't think of Africa and thought of space exploration. I took up an Alpha Kappa Alpha flag, which is the oldest black women's sorority in the United States and the largest. I took up a poster of Judith Jameson performing the dance cry. These things were important because so many times folks are left out. And if I couldn't do anything else, I could bring people up with me and then I could give it back to them. One of the most vivid memories I have is the shuttle launching. It shakes and it rattles until the solid rocket boosters come out. I remember having this huge grin on my face. The fact that I was the first woman of color in the world to go into space meant that I had a responsibility to use my perspective, my background, to bring a different set of possibilities to the equation. The perspective that stuck with me is that I am as much a part of this universe is any speck of stardust. That perspective of belonging was what was important to me. Though Jemison has retired her spacesuit, she continues to advocate for getting female students and students of color involved in STEM education. People talk to women and people of color and they want you to talk about the woe is me stuff. One of the big issues is how are we empowered to do something? The first thing in empowerment is that you have to understand that you have the right to be involved. The second one is that you have something important to contribute. And the third piece is you have to take the risk to contribute it. The lack of representation for African-American women extends far beyond NASA. It's an issue in all STEM fields, including computer science and engineering, where African-American women still make up a very small percentage of the workforce. One of the tasks we need to do as humans is to continue to move forward. We have to understand how do we include everybody in moving forward. Every time we encourage a young girl to pursue science, technology, engineering, or math, we take a small step for women and a giant leap for humankind. You don't have to travel to outer space to take that leap. Technical jobs for women here on Earth are just as vital to the future of humankind. And no one is better proof of that than plumber and feminist activist extraordinaire, Judalyn Cassidy, who is here with us today for a rapid-fire Q&A that we like to call the Feminist 15. Welcome, Judalyn. Thank you so much for being here. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Best word to describe you? Feisty. Favorite thing about your job? Money. Hardest thing about your job? Not being appreciated. Something that makes you hopeful? Woman. Something that makes you angry? Flint water crisis. What's your motto? Don't let anyone mess with your dead presidents. The dead presidents represents the money. So if you keep focus on your dead presidents, all of the other things that come up that are difficult gets a little bit easier because the end goal is dead presidents. Woman you'd most like to have dinner with? Oprah. If you could be one other woman on earth for a day, who would it be? Angela Davis, because it took some balls to do what she did. Most inspirational woman you've ever met? Mm. That's a tough one because I just believe all women are inspirational and everyone I've met, I always learn something. So for me, women are inspirational, so I can't choose. If you could tell every little girl in the world one thing, what would it be? That you're beautiful and you're good enough. What's something parents and educators can do to encourage girls to enter a trade? I think it starts really young. I think when they go to the toy store it's okay to give the little girl the tool set also, so she feels empowered. 
I think always presenting her with only one option is limiting her choices later on in life. If you could change one thing for tradeswomen in America, what would it be? Opportunity. There's not enough women in my trade. I mean, we only 2.9%, so that tells a lot about opportunity. What's the biggest misconception about your field? Everybody always thinks about just toilets. Plumbers protect the health of the nation. And plumbers use a lot of math. You actually help in society when you do plumbing. And I think if more women are able to do it, they'll realize that it's a trade to be proud of. Complete the following sentence. A woman's place is in the... White House. So if we get a female president, yeah. then we get Judalyn in there. I would be the house plumber. You would be the house plumber. You live there. Also possibly advise on some other things. Yes, I would definitely maybe. advise. So Judalyn Cassidy, 2020, everybody. If every woman's restroom in America was designed by a female plumber from top to bottom, would we finally have pad and tampon dispensers that actually dispensed pads and tampons? I believe that would happen. And not only would you get that, I think you will have more bathroom stalls. Oh, hallelujah. If wage equality and social justice weren't already good enough reasons to support American tradeswomen, then at least do it for bigger stalls in women's restrooms. Because who doesn't support that? Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Judalim. Thank you. To hear more about Judalim, Mae Jemison, Catherine Sullivan, and other incredible women, both here on Earth and in space, go to makers.com. 